Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Everyone. Welcome to Talk Nerdy. I'm your host, Kara Santa Maria. And uh, I want to go ahead and thank those of you who uh, supported the podcast in the many ways that you do this week. I want to thank those of you who visited the Talk Nerdy online store at www.carasantamaria.com. I want to thank those of you who listened, shared links, rated, reviewed on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher. And just all the different ways that you kind of show the talk nerdy love. I really, really appreciate it. And I specifically want to give a shout out here to, let's see, Catherine Colomarino from Clearwater, Florida. Thank you for donating to the podcast there by clicking the, uh, the PayPal button on my website. I want to thank Giovanni Morales from Long Beach, California for an incredibly generous donation. Thank you so much, Giovanni. I want to thank Francisco Jimenez from Riverton, Utah. I also want to thank William Dehapart. I think that's how you'd pronounce that. Dehapart, maybe? From uh, West Newton, Pennsylvania. I want to send a big thank you to Rick Richardson from Elma, Washington. Also a thank you to Ravis Pinnett from Hillsborough, Oregon. I want to thank Chris Michael. I think it's Michael. Maybe Makel. From uh, Sagal, Indiana. And uh, I want to thank Sean Johnson, another incredibly, incredibly generous donation from Sean there in Mountain View, California. And lastly, I want to thank those of you who have recurring payments set up through that very same button. Um, They come in monthly or weekly, however you have it set. So this week, I want to thank Jake Krog. I want to thank uh, Ryan Langford. I want to thank Chris Lloyd. And lastly, I want to thank David Urich. And I specifically have a question for you guys and anybody listening who has thought about helping to support the podcast in the past. I've been thinking lately about perhaps um, starting a Patreon account, which Patreon is really interesting because it's kind of like these PayPal donations meet 
Kickstarter, but instead of funding like one big thing, like a documentary or a video game launch, you fund uh, individual artists for making ongoing stuff. So maybe a comic book artist or somebody who does YouTube videos. Or for example, myself, I do talk nerdy. I do it all by my lonesome and you guys support it. And it's really huge because it is a free uh, podcast to download for anybody who wants to. I, of course, know that many, many people out there, um, you know, they're not in a position to be able to support the podcast financially. And I totally appreciate the support that you give to it in the many ways that you do. But those of you who um, have kind of shown your support by helping fund the podcast in the past, uh, check out Patreon and tell me what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Uh, you know, I'm at Kara Santa Maria on Twitter and I'm facebook.com slash science Kara. I would love to hear your two cents and tell me if that's something you would be into. Apparently you can't do one-time payments on it. So I'd probably still keep up that PayPal button, but, um, it is a really cool way to support with recurring payments because there's like a built-in community. I can give you guys extra content, um, freebies from, you know, uh, from time and again, and I can also kind of interact with you there through the Patreon interface. And also, oh, I can list what kinds of things the donations go toward. Like, for example, if you noticed last week on my episode with uh, Dr. Don Johansson, the microphone work was not amazing. My microphones are incredibly directional, which is great because they cut down on ambient noise, but they also make it really hard to pick up somebody's voice if they're maybe a little soft-spoken or if they meander away from the microphone a bit. And so I'm thinking that it might be time to invest in some like condenser mics uh, so that that isn't a problem anymore. And of course, I'm still building up towards the laptop fund, even though uh, my sweet old 2008, I think it is, maybe 2009 uh, MacBook Air, she's still hanging in there. So we'll see if I can't get a little more mileage out of her. Anyway, uh, just throwing it out there. It's a thought that crossed my mind. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. That being said, I guess it's time to start the show. I'm super pumped about this episode because I finally got to sit down with the last member of the Nerd Brigade, uh, Miss Allie Ward. And just in time for Valentine's Day, too, she has got some really great um, stories about kinky stuff that happens in the insect world. Uh, if you don't know Allie, uh, she is the host or the co-host, I should say, of Unique Sweets and Trip It Out with Allie and Georgia, both on the cooking channel. She's also a contributor to CBS's Innovation Nation, which airs Saturday mornings on CBS. I just said that, CBS, yep. And um, she has her own podcast called Slumber Party, and it's hilarious. You guys are going to love her. So here she is, Allie Ward. Allie, Allie. Hi, hi. My hoodie's stuck on my microphone. Rude. <laughs> what am I doing? You Sorry, should quit I'm, life. I'm super stinky because I was at the gym earlier. And, and actually, when I say earlier, it was like I was at the gym like six hours ago. And I'm still wearing my like dirty gym clothes. No, it's fine. That's, That's what super they're for. Gross. Sometimes you sleep in them and then you wake up and you're like, I'm ready to work out again. There you go. It's motivation. Except I could never sleep in a sports bra. It's yeah. all like inchy. You know why? Because you have boobs. I do have boobs. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I would love to not have to buy the one that says maximum support. That would be ideal. Like, I Because the ones that always say minimum support are like really cute. Yeah. The ones that say maximum support look like they're for like old ladies. No, I, I know. There, yeah. are, there are drawbacks. There are. Bonuses. There are. So I was saying, uh, look at my new horseshoe crabs. It's 
Aren't they pretty? So dope. I'm looking at it and I'm um I'm like jealous and proud of you at the same time. Thank you. I'm gonna tweet about them so that people can see a picture of what I'm talking about right now. Um I got them at Goldbug. I love Goldbug. Of course, yeah. yeah. It looks like a Goldbug offering. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, these two, these behind me, I've, I'm like into art right now. I got these beautiful prints that are called Death by Cat. Oh. And it's this um, artist, and I can't remember his name, but I'll look it up. And he is um, a commercial photographer. So, you know, he takes pictures of like, I don't know, soup cans or like paint cans or something. Uh-huh. Um, but he has like 30 feral cats around his property. Yeah, something crazy. Like, I think he lives out in the woods or something. And they leave him gifts. <gasps> And then he takes photographs of them. Oh, my god! Aren't they pretty? Yeah. I, I mean, like, they're super morbid because it's like dead birds. But I feel like the artist's name should just be Mr. Whiskers. <laughs> like these are from Mr. Whiskers. Well, this one's from Mr. Whiskers. And this one over here is from Tickle. They're gorgeously photographed mutilated birds. <laughs> and that's a hard sentence to say earnestly. <laughs> I figured you'd, of anybody, I figured you would appreciate. I do. I do. I really appreciate the beauty in biology. That's what I love so much about it. And that's what I love so much about, well, it's one of the things I love so much about you. Um, so every, for everybody who's listening, uh, Allie Ward, she is the last of the, she's the last of the Nerd Brigade. Am I the last to be on? Yeah. That's exciting. You just made a face. Oh, uh, when I was waiting to, to figure out what noun you were going to be using. She's the last. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell if it was because your tea was gross. No, this tea is gross. <laughs> <laughs> It's garbage water, but I'm continuing to drink it. It's because it's warm. It's worst. It's like it's roasted garbage water. <laughs> mm. We highly recommend the coffee shop by my house. <laughs> no bueno. Um, but yeah, I'm the last one on. You're the last of all of the nerd brigade. We've even had some kind of uh, nerds in residence before you. I had um, Brian Sweetek and Costa have been on. I know. Um, I listened. So I'm very glad. No, I'm I'm nervous to be on. I I think you've mentioned it a couple times, and every time you mention your podcast, I just disappear behind a ficus, and I'm like, just keep talking and just don't notice I'm gone. <laughs> Which is so funny to me because you have a podcast, and your podcast is hilarious. Why, thank you. Thanks. And you do your podcast in a teepee. Yeah, it's called Slumber Party with Allie and Georgia. It's on Feral Audio, and uh, yeah, we record in a pillow fort or a teepee that I put up in my living room and our guests come up in pajamas. And then we talk about everything from like one thing you learned that week to things you love, things you hate, um, uh, midnight snacks, anything on the internet that you're crushing about. So it's like a slumber party. Do you ever do it though at like 10 a.m.? Of course. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. But we just, well, had... you just don't take your PJs off then. You're yeah, just that's still exactly, in them. Exactly. That's kind of nice. Yeah. We had a, a guest we were really excited about named Tony Hale just came on and I was so nervous. He's um he played Buster in Arrested Development. He's on. Oh, Veep. very cool. Uh, he was coming to my house, and I was so nervous. And I woke up at like seven in the morning to start tidying and you know like lighting an expensive candle. And um he got there. I was still in my pajamas. <laughs> but mean? did he come in his pajamas? Yeah, him in sweatpants. That's so cool. So nobody has ever shown up in like a suit. And you're like, are you kidding me? People have. Oh, that's annoying. I'm in jeans, and we're like, take the pants off. Yeah, yeah. Then you just make them not wear their pants. It's like that uh, horrible restaurant in Texas called Trail Dust where they cut off your tie. What? Yeah. Sounds sick. It is stupid. Cut off your tie. Just take off their pants. Take yeah, off your pants yeah. if you want to enter Allie's house. Yeah, we have a wicker basket. We just leave the pants at the door. <laughs> <laughs> um. So thanks for having me on. I do feel nervous about being on it, which I'm I'm not nervous about podcasting. I'm no. nervous about your podcast. Why? I think because I'm a member of the Nerd Brigade. Yes. Um, and you and you, they've all been on already. Yeah, I know. But some of them had never been on a podcast before. Yeah, but they're good with talking with them. They're all amazing. Yeah, so they're fine. But you've been on podcasts like a million times. Why are you yeah. nervous? 
because I am not getting my PhD in neurobiology. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it is actually there are that's benefits. true it's true a lot of the nerd brigade are really well educated yeah i well, uh, as are you i mean that's well i mean i dropped out of i didn't drop out of school i dropped out of my phd program but like honestly i only did like a year towards it i wasn't really that into it um but i think a few of them uh the people that we've had on costa uh didn't go to graduate school i don't think um uh, Brian Sweetek didn't. So it's it's interesting too. I love seeing people who studied something in school and then like dedicated their career to something where you would almost assume that they have an advanced degree, um, but they but they studied something random in school and then they found their passion later in life. Yeah, that is one great thing I love about your podcast is that I will listen to episodes my friends have been on and be like, oh, I didn't know Holly. I didn't know she studied in Rochester. <laughs> I know, me too. It's the weirdest thing. That's why I'm so excited that you're coming on too because um, I feel like I don't know you as well as I know some of the people on the Nerd Brigade. And even like when I had Crystal Dilworth on, who's like my best friend, I learned all sorts of things about her that I didn't know. So I'm very pumped about this. Yeah, bring it on. I want to start by asking why a teepee? Oh, um, I have always loved uh, Native American culture and history. I grew up, um, part of my childhood was spent in Northern California, mm -hmm. right in a town that was um, where gold was discovered. So I grew huh. up around a lot of this weird, um, like, gold rush and Western expansion sort of, like, okay. more. And so we studied a lot about Native American culture. And so I, I loved learning about that, and I was obsessed with it. My family, my dad's family is from uh, Montana, and my cousin uh, married a woman who's uh, Blackfoot Indian. So I... Um, I had always grown up around teepees and a lot of this lore, and I always loved it. That's awesome. I know, but it, but so I always wanted a teepee, and so I studied plans how to make one out of supplies that I could get my hands on. Because in Los Angeles, you can't just like go get you go to the teepee depot. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't like go find branches in Los Angeles. <laughs> That's true. You There's no like forest. No. To go rummage through. I realized that. I was like, I need. So what did you make it out of? Like PVC pipe. You would, that's so tragic, but it would actually be such a statement. It's a wonderful statement. Um, yeah, hefty bags. <laughs> exactly. Rebar. Um, no, I just, I got some dowels from. Oh, dowels. At least that's wood. It's wood. Right? It's wood. Well, I noticed um, on the on the Instagrams, because I finally joined, um, that our friend Tegan, who's also been on the podcast, who is in Cave of Thesis right now, she's finishing her PhD and like just in it that you guys made a, a teepee for her to study in. I did. She needed like a nesting place to work on her thesis. And so she asked her if she could borrow my teepee. And I said, of course. But I was I go out of town a lot for work. And so I was trying to figure out the timing of and when I needed it for the next podcast because uh -huh. we do record in it. And so I was like, listen, meet me in Pasadena. We're going to make you one. We're going to go to a public park. It's going to be the best. That's where the picture was taken, just in the middle of a public park. Yeah. So we ran around Pasadena and got some supplies and... I gave her the formulas and the diagrams, and we figured out how what the longest poles that could fit in her tiny car were, and then we measured that by 1.2. To <laughs> you know, and so we, we did all the calculations and um, with a notepad sitting in Osh hardware. Oh my gosh, the, that makes me so happy! It was great, but I kept warning her. I was like, "This is going to be really anticlimactic because it takes once you get the supplies, it takes like five minutes to make." Really? It. Yeah, you just have to cut a very large semicircle and a pole notch, and good to go. But we thought that kids in the park would swarm us being like, I'm sorry, I have a question. How do you get so cool? But like none of the kids did. <laughs> yeah, we sat, in the, we sat in it in the park and then she set it up in her house. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just like in her living room? I think it's in her bedroom. 
Yep. It is her bedroom now. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to start hanging things on the teepee walls. and Maybe. going to nest in her teepee. I think Tegan said she was going to make a fractal pattern. Oh, that sounds like Tegan. Yeah. yeah. Tegan's good at making fractals freehand, too, which is nutty. I love it. Um, well, okay. Teepee's out of the way. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. That was always a big... Because it also, for whatever reason doesn't visually seem to fit you like when you're like I like to spend time in a teepee and I'm like but you're like you're so cute and you look like a 50s housewife (laughs) I think that's a branding issue I think I'm having (laughs) branding issues well the thing is like for me I I love I love the outdoors I love I like love camping without tents I love getting my hands dirty I do I'll just sometimes I'll just sleep just out um and you love bugs Love bugs. So you don't even care if they like crawl on your face. No, I welcome that. Yeah, I don't but want I, to do that. But my my work for cooking channel is very like we're in these, you know, cocktail dresses and it's but it's a mockery of that. But a lot of people think that I'm I'm really into fake eyelashes and and sure um crinolines and it's it's not, it's it's farcical. So I have a hard I have a hard time with reconciling them. But you do wear a lot of horizontal stripes. That's all I wear, dude. <laughs> I'm wearing a horizontally striped shirt right now. You are, you are. And it's got like this really cute, to me, it feels very mid-century like sailor stripes. Like that's kind of the image that it always brings in my, which I love, like like cute little sailor pants and like a horizontal striped shirt. Pure laziness. <laughs> I just don't want to think about it. The uniform, clothes. yeah, we all have those. Like have. everything in my closet's black. Yeah. It's just because black always matches black. And so it's pretty easy to, uh, I get it. I grew up goth. Did you know that? I did not know that. Dude, I was so goth. Uh, have you have you done um uh oh god Janet Barney's podcast no, the JB Club no okay so her podcast is about like being an awkward teenager and you kind of talk about the things that happened in your in your, in those years and how they've kind of affected you as an adult and the photo that she always uses for her podcast is like a picture you give her of you as an awkward teenager and I need a goth picture of you oh man this oh. makes sense. I got to see that because I was I was never goth, but I was like a punk rock raver chick. I could see. That. So I looked a bit crazy, too, but I never had like the really like I never wore like black lipstick. Oh, I did. That's amazing. Yeah, I had a weird I had this weird combination where I was really, really studious, really, really into biology and um, in English and Latin. Hmm. And I was an AP student, super achiever in high school. But the high school I went to was really um we lived in like a wealthy school district on purpose because they had a, a really good Latin program. So my family rented a house within the district so that we could attend this public school that was really good. And then like the day after I graduated high school, my parents were like, eh, we're out. <laughs> and so the high school I went to was just full of like, like girls with perfect highlights and white jeans and Jettas and sororities and oh my God, that's so funny. polo shirts. And so Jettas. everyone had a Jetta. <laughs> so my friends, I had some friends who were a little bit more just studious or artsy. And so we just sort of, I don't know. I think it was a, I think it was like a, I would say there was like, it was kind of like self-sabotage. We're like, don't, don't worry. I don't want to, I don't want to fit in with you. I'm good. I'm good. That's so funny. I could see that though. That's kind of the place you go when you want to be alt. I feel like my high school had a lot of alt options. Like I could be sort of a raver chick, but that didn't come until later, but I could definitely be punk rock. There were a lot of punk rockers. There was like the skater kids. And I don't remember a very big goth vibe, but also it might not have been in vogue then, you know, you know how there's like levels kind of ebbs and flows. You're talking about age. (laughs) (laughs) No, 
I'm just saying. I'm 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 remembering the South Park episode <laughs> when because they were like all pissy when all the vampire stuff got really big, and so there's that funny episode where the goth kids kept getting like mistaken for vampire kids, and they were like really pissed about it. And that's kind of what high school is like, you I'm know. Sure. There's you know there's kind of trends that go through, and then there's not again. I bet you in the late '80s, like a lot of kids were punk rock kids, yeah, and like sure. new wave kids. But then that's like not a thing anymore, which I is was, sad. I was like a pre-Hot Topic. Love God. it. And then Hot Topic came along. And we're like, what's this? Hot Topic happened when I was 16. Oh, dang. Yeah. So I was out of high school because um, I'm crazy. And I was already in college, but I, I worked there. Yeah. It was oh. like one of my first jobs. You worked at Hot Topic at 16 while you were in college. There's yes. so much information in that one <laughs> sentence. Yes. It was a strange time in my life. <laughs> time yeah it was a good I time know. I think that I that's one thing that I think is interesting like bringing it back to identity like it's so it's so interesting to sort of cobble together all these you know all these facets of, of your life and your interests and stuff and and you know you might see me as like oh I have this cooking show where I wear dresses mm-hmm. but for me I'm like oh I'm constantly in like boots and stripes and I want to be touching like worms and yep. beetles yep. and stuff like and I see that side of you too and I think it's funny how those those historical things that we all sort of are trying to find our way and we're finding you know and a lot of times we self-define based on in groups like peer groups and so we go and we visit this peer group and then maybe it's not for us and we find this other one and but it does seem like as you go from from one to the other to the other there's little bits and pieces that kind of get absorbed into who you are so You've still got a goth side. Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it's funny with the Nerd Brigade, uh, you know, as like a defined group of friends, which is with so the hilarious. website. I know. It's like our friends have a website. <laughs> and a hashtag. It's amazing. Um, you know, I think it's funny because you're in context. You, you are so different within different groups of people. So in the context of the Nerd Brigade, mm-hmm. I'm always this like massively self-deprecating, apologetic, non-PhD who's like <laughs> a l- couple years older than you guys. And is, is like, so I come into it always disarming myself with like, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of like a really curious, passionate dilettante, but you guys are all professional. You do. That's what. Oh, that's so interesting. I would never have even put that in my head really? there. Really? I mean, I kind of feel that way too because so many people have like, and they have like PhDs from Caltech and shit. They're like really <laughs> smart. And they're, and again, they're, they're young. Like I'm probably Crystal and myself and Holly are just, um, just younger than you. And then the rest of everybody else are like still in their twenties. Well, it's interesting. I think being a science communicator can mean a lot of different things to different people. Yeah. The science, you know, I work on a science show and the science I communicate is different than what you do. And it's a different level than, you know, um, and you also do a lot of really cool work at the museum too. So like you communicate both at that level. Cause a lot of the people in the nerd brigade have worked either in TV or podcasting or writing to kind of bring science to the public, but it's always cool when there's a component to your, not so much even to your job, but to your interest where you get to bring science face to face. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Face with people? Mm-hmm. Like you actually get to stand there. Well, what are you qualified to do now, now <laughs> at the uh, Natural History Museum here in L.A.? Because I guess, do you get like flair? Like how does it work? Yeah. You, you get flair. You totally get flair. <laughs> Which is like a Girl Scout badge. I was never in the Girl Scouts, but I, I imagine it's that the same kind of like pride. Um, but depending on which halls you're uh, kind of qualified mm-hmm. to interpret in, it's called interpretation when you're okay. when you're when you're on the floor. And the there's like a society of docents, and it's hardcore to get in the society. You have to do a certain number of hours over a certain amount of time. I'm I'm technically a docent in training based on the number of hours I have. Oh, cool. Um, and like the level of you know, of uh, certification I have. So what happens is they'll say, okay, we have a dino hall training coming up. Um, and the, each hall is only offered once or twice a year. You can sign up and say, okay, we have two, it's two uh, weeks in a row, two mm-hmm. Saturday mornings, half the day. Um, and you sit through wonderful and in, insane, amazing lectures by paleontologists. And you get to, you have booklets and slides and there are little tests. And then, and this is again, all for volunteers. But that's so cool because it's like, <laughs> It's like going to school. Oh, it's great. But I mean, it's like going to school with like dead things. And alive things. And, and alive, alive things. things. You're right. Course, yeah. You have like the butterfly pavilion. The spider pavilion. Oh. And we have, uh, we have live specimens in the Discovery Center uh, upstairs in the insect zoo. We have them downstairs. The nature lab is chock full of alive things. There's rats and rattlesnakes and... Um, and black widows, brown widows, turtles, uh, awesome. newts, crayfish. So there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of, um, their live animal program's great. So And you get to listen to like legit paleontologists and, and herpetologists and like just the best of the best that work there. The best, yeah. So That's you do so that cool. for two days. Um, you know, you again, no money to do this. You yep. just because yep. just you love it. <laughs> and, you know, you get to ask questions. Um, that you want clarification on or what you think maybe visitors might. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, in order to get your badge that you wear on your lanyard, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag nerd brigade, um, you, uh, one of the gallery leads will follow you around to make sure that you're not like, you know, whispering to kids that like God made this dinosaur on the seventh <laughs> day or something weird. <laughs> you know, just like you're not just polluting the not land. Not going rogue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so once they, you know, they're sure that you're you're cool with it, then you get your little button and then they can start scheduling you in that hall. So if you have no interest in the gem hall, you don't have to get certified. You peace out and you're like, gems, you're on your own. I don't care about you. That's awesome. Um, I don't really care about gems. No, we do have some cool meteorites in there though. Oh, and I just got a meteorite for Christmas and it's amazing. Right? Have I shown it to you? No, but I'll I'm, show it to you after. I can't really it. pronounce what it is. It's a, I, I thought it was pronounced sick hole, a, a, Alin, but I think it's pronounced like uh that sounds like a Turkish insult. I know. It's got like a super weird pronunciation that I had to look up. Um if it's like called me that on the street, I would be offended. <laughs> Hang on. Sick hole alien. It's super weird. It's it's from this one strike. Oh uh 
Am I spelling it wrong? Yeah, I'm totally spelling it wrong. I'm going to find this. Um, it's from this one strike in Russia. Ooh. And actually, Phil Plate, who's so sweet, like he saw that I tweeted this meteorite and asked like if people could tell what it was. And then he was like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite kind of meteorite. Here's the whole thing that I wrote about how awesome it is. And I was like, I love you, Phil Plate. Love like, <laughs> I'm so glad we're friends. Yeah, I enjoy him a lot. And so I'm going to find what it is. Oh, Sikhote Alin is how I thought you pronounced it, but mm -hmm. that's totally not right at all. It has like this weird pronunciation that, oh. Sikati Aline, but it's spelled like Sikhote Aline. So I have a Sikati Aline meteorite, which they're very um, like specific looking. What they're they, iron ore, and they're they just have a very specific look to them. Ooh. And it's different than so. What you're holding in your hand, a piece of metal. Da -da, he would hate that I'm reading this out loud, or maybe he would love it. Uh, it was destroyed by the impact of, of another planetary-sized body. So this was actually... Most meteorites are made out of stone. This was actually the core of something that was the size of a planet. What? And, like, super molten and awesome. And then it crashed into the Earth. And you got that for Christmas? And I got it for Christmas. Good job. I know. I once real. got a $10 Del Taco gift card for Christmas from my boyfriend. That's awesome. No, it wasn't. My kid brother gave me a $10 uh, <laughs> In-N-Out gift card, which I actually <laughs> did think was really awesome. That's adorable. But he's also not my boyfriend. That's true. He's my 14-year-old brother. <laughs> <laughs> this was a long time ago, by the way. I've since moved on romantically. That's, um, that's a beautiful meteorite. Isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's so pretty. Um, it makes me happy. And also, like, that's just, it's cool when you get gifts that are very, very you. You give and give, get gifts that are very you. How well, many bugs do you have at your house? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Um, I have a bug. I have a lot of bugs, and I have a lot of bug artwork as well, like old, you know, prints from the eighteen hundreds, like, like from that. cool, like those cool kind of vintage books where they would do plates. Yeah, old like old insect encyclopedias. Love stuff. that. So the funny thing about getting, you know, on the topic of gifts, when you when you are into science, when you're really passionate about something, uh, people love to give you gifts in that realm, which is awesome. So a lot of my bugs are from you know, our gifts that I've gotten or a lot of my prints are like wonderful, amazing gifts that I wouldn't have bought myself, but they're like someone saw it and they're like, I thought you would love this. That's and of so course sweet. I'm like, I'm crying. I love it. I love that because too, like, I don't know, there's sometimes you'll find things that maybe you, like you said, you wouldn't have gotten yourself. And also because it's something that you really care about, it's great because I definitely remember this is going to make me sound so like spoiled, which I'm not at all. Well, maybe I am, but I got uh, this pony. It was like, <laughs> I remember when I got this pony, um, when I got a Jetta for, no, Stop. <laughs> um, I remember when I was in like middle school being, oh, this has happened twice now. I had a, I bought like a blanket that was zebra print in middle school because I was into black and I was like, okay, it's black and white and it's zebra print. <laughs> and my mom was like, she likes zebras. <gasps> so then it was like zebra everything oh. for like a year. And I finally had to be like, mom, I'm not into zebras. That's so cute. It was really cute. And I felt bad, but, and then it happened again later when I bought this beautiful, um, and now I'm, I actually love them. Like I'll be honest, because if you look closely at all of the weird shit in my apartment, a lot of it's dinosaurs, a lot of it's weird biological stuff, but there's a lot of globes. And that came from buying a globe at a flea market once that was like a really cool old globe where like all of Africa was still imperialist. And like, I love looking at, it is really interesting to see how land, uh, uh divisions have been drawn historically and all the geopolitical shit that comes with it. But they saw that I was like really liked this globe. So now I have like 15 globes. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Well, look, 
I guess it just necessitates a mansion or something. Exactly. To a, play, a, a globe in every room. That's yeah. that's what I need. Or one dedicated globe den. It's kind of like wings of your own museum. You have a geopolitical <laughs> history. Room. Welcome to the globe An room. archive <laughs> of imperialist <laughs> geography. But it is so cool when, when people you love and when family members do start to catch on to your interests or try and understand where you are with your interests because a very cool gift that my mother gave me, not this year, but last year, is on my wall. She got me a beautiful... Um, like an x-ray light box. Oh. And then um, I, and then some very personal x-rays like from family members and stuff. So I, yeah. Wow. Um, so I can, I don't know. It's like a cool light source. That is like a, a lamp. Gift. She was like, we got grandpa's hernia over here. Exactly. Got, <laughs> cervical vertebrae. And I was like, mom, you're amazing. That's, that's like the best really present cool. ever. So that's, that's my little random story. Well, I think it's nice when when your family and friends are supportive of your interests. Always. Exactly. It's always good. I mean, when they're not like, oh my God, you're such a nerd. <laughs> like, what? Bu- why do you have bugs all over your apartment alley? That's weird. I do love them, though. I never get sick of them. I mean, I've, I've loved bugs since I was probably 11 or 12. I used to just um, pour through field guides and I would, I would get every book I could from the library, every, every birthday, every holiday season, I would get new Audubon Society guides and I would just sit there and thumb through them and read all about them. So, and that's an interest that's never waned. And I don't know why. I never went into entomology as mm-hmm. a field. Um, I studied biology in college, so. So it's still like a, an umbrella. Sure. You know, it's not like you studied, I don't know, like mechanical engineering. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I always loved, um, I always loved biology, mm-hmm. loved it. And I also loved art at the same time. And mm-hmm. I wanted to be a biological illustrator. So I was gearing my studies toward. Really? Yeah, toward fine art. And can you draw? Um, okay. that's awesome. Yeah, oh, I get, that's so cool. Yeah. So that's what, but I, so I kind of had a weird, I, I was studying, um, you know, biology all through high school, loved it, loved it, you know, studying it on my own. And then got to college was enrolled as a biology major and was studying, you know, all the prerequisites and, um, as well as studio art. And I wanted to be a, did you, do you know who F Netter is? Netter? I do. I think oh. I have a Netter book. Yeah. You, I'm sure yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I it's was, like, d- did Netter do um, also uh, like anatomy, like human anatomy? Yeah, yeah I yeah. have I have a like a neuro Netter book. It's oh. really beautiful. So he, so beautiful. He was what he didn't do. I don't think he did any any bugs at all. But um, oh, okay, yeah, he did human anatomy, and I just uh, I was I was like, here is someone who has a grasp on science and anatomy, and is also like such. It's, from an aesthetic standpoint, is gorgeous. Totally, it's almost got like an artistic. Oh, twist definitely. on it like it's not it doesn't feel like I don't know like photo real or something it feels yeah, there's something really beautiful about just even the light like yeah. the way the like a light plays on a slimy liver you're yeah. like that's just gorgeous <laughs> like you didn't have to make it so so stunning um so I used to really I used to really love um love his artwork and so I was studying both and and I I remember one day being in the library in college and I was studying I was memorizing the mouth parts of a of a crawdad and I was, I really liked it, but I had this weird epiphany where I was like, do I need to know this forever? Like, yeah. and I kind of, I, I wasn't sure if I was, if I wanted to be creative and artistic and I was using biology as sort of a way that if you, if you use art to document, mm-hmm. then you never have necessarily, at the time, I didn't think you had the burden to really interpret and create from art. You could really just document. Yeah. And so... I decided I wanted to do something that was a little bit, had a little bit more, um, I don't know, the 
less, I, I'm trying to think of the way to say this about bagging on anyone who's a biological <laughs> illustrator because it's amazing. But I, I thought maybe I would do something that um, that was a little bit more freeform than that. Yeah, freeform, like something where you were coming up with what the art sure. that you were creating instead of uh, drawing on nature. Sure. Although I loved, I still love drawing. I still love doing. I think that's awesome. I need to get an Alley Ward bug print. Mm. You should start making those for all your friends. You know, well, I will commission one off of you. <laughs> I feel like whenever I get really sick of flying around the country and I get really sick of jet lag and stuff, I just have this, this like sad little vision of this tiny cabin and I'm just working in watercolors, like drawing mosquitoes. I love it. <laughs> that's it's all I want to do. Adorable. No, actually, you know what? It's, it's, it blows my mind. First of all, I have no artistic ability at all. Like in any of the arts, any of the fine arts that you can think of. The only thing is when I was younger, I was a singer. So it's like oh. I have pipes. But I can't, my hands are are just invalid. Like when I try to play <laughs> piano, it's just like, Bleh. like, you know, that episode of, I, the, of, yeah, The Simpsons where he like gets really fat and then he can't. Does no, anybody remember? I that? don't remember. It's it. really funny. But he I like, have heard you sing and you're really good. Oh, thanks. Um, you don't, oh, it makes me so sad that, that you don't remember The Simpsons. No, did you ever I watch The Simpsons? I did, but not all of it. There was an episode where Homer goes, I think he goes on disability. He realizes that obesity will let him go on disability. So he gets really fat and then he tries to dial 911, but he can't oh. because his, and it's like, <laughs> the fingers you have used to dial are too <laughs> fat. <laughs> to, order, to order a special dialing one, please mash the keyboard now. <laughs> Anyway, so um, that's what my hands do when I you, try to play piano. Your hand, you do not have sausage fingers. <laughs> but they just don't do what my brain tells them to. Same thing with like a guitar. This is my, nobody can see this, but I'm doing, I'm doing guitar motions. Um, I was a singer. That was fine. But I can't draw. I can't like any, I can't reproduce life in any way through my hands. You can stuff birds. I can't. Uh, Difficultly, it was difficult. I did taxidermy once with Alice's tremendous help and guidance, and I actually got really frustrated and wanted to give up like halfway through. But she was good because um, it's great. You do you do all this work, and it's so tedious. Mm -hmm. And then and you do it all on like one wing, and then you're like, "Fuck, there's a whole other wing." Ooh. Like I don't I don't want to do the other wing. I always want to know when people have jobs like that. Like, what does she listen? What is Alice, who's a taxidermist at the mm -hmm. NHM? What does she listen to? Does she listen to like death metal? Does she listen to podcasts? Classic I don't know. You know, she's, it's hard to, you know how sometimes somebody's physical appearance is reflective of kind of the, um, the niche that they find themselves mm -hmm. in. And she's got a very cool like rockabilly vibe, but I don't <laughs> know if that means she is like, I don't know. Really into like scroll nut zippers. Exactly. <laughs> like, who knows? She could be listening to like, I don't know, something like Michael Bublé or something for all we know. Just all the Josh Groban. Exactly. Yeah. But she definitely, um, she probably does listen to music. I would think so. And for her, she was saying that it's very therapeutic. Like, because part of taxidermy is it, you're basically cleaning everything out from under the skin. And that cleaning process is the part that she says that she loves the most because it's just very exact and you can be a little OCD about it. And it like focuses that sort of OCD into a very specific process. And for her, she said that that's very calming. Wow. For me, it's really frustrating. I, I was not good at it. Were you... Um did it just seem too laborious where you just like, oh God, there's so much guts. It kind of, and it was also like the guts come out fine. It's all the like little pieces of yeah. meat that are like stuck to the You know what it is? I worked for so many years in biology as um, uh, first as a student and then as uh, a TA and then as an adjunct professor. And I taught all these bio and anatomy and physiology courses. So I led dissection year after year after year after year. And so I was like, oh, I'll be good at taxidermy. But 
Taxidermy is like the opposite of dissection. In dissection, you usually want the tissue. You want viable tissue to then do something else with it. In taxidermy, that all goes into a meat bucket. That's yeah. literally, there's a meat bucket on the table. And the idea is that the skin and the feathers and the fur have to be intact. Mm -hmm. So I'm like ripping holes left or oh. fuck, and then you got to sew them back up. Because usually, you know, with dissection, you're like, get rid of the skin. It's in the way. Yeah. So it's a very different different and semi difficult i no, was just really gonna ask process. if you yeah that was just gonna ask if you did dissection clearly you did but yeah, yeah that lot. was uh a lot did you ever have any issues with any particular animals, animals? yeah like did i ever get rat bite fever no <laughs> <laughs> no did you ever like i remember one time i had to we had to dissect a pig and my roommate had just gotten a puppy Aww. and it was the same size and yeah, weight and they're furry a little bit these fetal yeah. pigs when they're late they're furry that can be hard no I di i've dissected literally hundreds of fetal pigs because i've taught dissection on them yeah. for years um that was never really that hard for me the fetal pigs i think the hardest for me was when i was doing dissection not for teaching purposes but doing it for um for actual science and i would use when I was working in a neuroscience lab, we would seed these little plates with with brain cells. And the way that we would get the brain cells is we would use a pregnant mouse and we would use the neural tissue from the pups before they were born. So you'd have to sacrifice uh, the pregnant mouse and take the pups and use that tissue, which was actually a very cool and very conservative way to do it because a lot of times one mouse equals one experiment. Mm -hmm. And in this case, one pregnant mouse equaled like 150 experiments because we could see lots of plates with the tissue. But um, you would have to sacrifice um, the mama mouse by hand. And I remember it took about three or four sessions of my professor literally holding his hands over my hands and be, before I could do it on my own, it, it, the very first day I went home and cried. Like it was so difficult. And I used to also rescue anytime the pups would be born early or something would go wrong and we couldn't use them for the science. I would take them home and they would be my pets, oh, which I don't think I was supposed I to do. I don't think that's legal. Yeah, I don't think so. Let's keep that under <laughs> Exactly. Let's not tell all of the people listening to this podcast under right our hats. Now. How did you have to kill the pregnant mouse with a tiny gun or what? No. <laughs> The tiniest revolver. Well, the really freaky thing is that um, rats, which are much bigger than mice, um, often they use like a little guillotine on rats. Oh. I know. It's really oh. fucked up. And it's bloody. <gasps> yeah. Uh, it wasn't like that for mice. Mice mice are pretty easy. You, you, It's totally humane. You put them in a halothane chamber, so a little chamber that gasses them until they go to sleep so they don't feel anything. And then while they're asleep, you do what's called cervical dislocation. So you basically put a blunt object at the base of their neck, and when you pull their tail, it separates <gasps> their spine. So it's really fast, and they can't feel it. I would be very bad at that. But you do have to do it with your hands. It's hard, and you feel <gasps> it, you know? I know. It's tough. Everybody listening right now hates me. <laughs> like, no, I'm about to no, get some real hate no, mail. No, 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 I mean, it's all... It's all it's important, but it's... Nice. um Yeah, it's really hard. Like I said, I cried the first time I did it. And then you have only so many in you. I did it for about a year. It was a weekly um, seating um, where I was managing the cell culture facility, and then I was done. I was like, I don't ever want to sacrifice another animal again. So I don't. And then did you have a... Did you have like a goodbye moment? Did you like, like you know, I drop your tray a, or throw a huge <laughs> fucking party? Yeah. yeah, I was. No, I was out of there. I was out of there so fast when I finally graduated, and you know, beyond. It makes uh, science communication seem relatively easy, doesn't it? Like, oh hell yeah! It's I so mean, not bloody. It's so not, not bloody. I, that that's bloody. what I used to. 
use the most graphic phrase when I would talk about my job and like when I was dating boys or whatever and I'd be like I'm elbow deep in pig guts every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pretty gross but I can show you actually on my shelf we'll do that we'll spend some time Allie looking through some um, I've got a great cadaver atlas Ooh. I've got some really great how-to guides on dissecting fetal love pigs it. and love it you uh, know it's lots of fun but I you are really really I think of you as the bug girl obviously you have more broad interest in that in the sciences because how many different certifications do you have now at the natural history museum oh gosh i don't know five or so that's I mean, awesome yeah not that many but are you um, in the paleo hall yet um i am i'm not officially certified for it because i took all the training and i don't i think the step where they have to follow you around and make sure that you don't talk about god is yeah. the only thing that they haven't and that's like yet. the hall where it's the most important not to do it's that it's the most yeah. important that's not really why they do it they it's also just jesus horses <laughs> <laughs> not okay <laughs> No, that's, so I'm, I'm, I need to get, uh, I need to have someone follow me around, but I'll be totally honest, dude. That's not the hall that I'm excited about. Really? Yeah. Oh, that would be, I'm so, we're different in, in I know. we're, we're scientifically different, Allie, you and I. I am all about tiny alive things. And I love that. And things. I'm all about giant dead things. They're yeah. so interesting. To I, me. the, what, what I love about, what I love about bugs in particular mm -hmm. is, um, I love how specialized and mm. how tiny they are and how much shit they get done for being so tiny. So I love one of the things I love about bugs is the scale. Yeah. Um, and the the power in um just the sheer volume of bugs and how they change ecosystems and how they're they're so important in food chains. So I love that they that bugs are so much more powerful than we give them credit for, but so tiny. So I kind of love yeah. bugs for that reason. And also there's something about them that's um, you know, and I don't know if it's just it's Part of it is exoskeletons and part of it is like a, just what seems to be a coldness that's also run by so much instinct and so much just specialized behavior that they're tiny, like tiny, tiny robots to me. They kind of are. And I love that about them. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I would so much rather be around um, a tailless whip scorpion and a centipede and a wolf <gasps> spider than around like... No offense, like a big dead sauropod. That's so weird. So I, just, I so don't get I it. Know. Like <laughs> all of those things I'm happy with so long as they're behind glass. You know I, what I mean? Like I, I do that. not want to get anywhere close to a scorpion, for example. I feel emotional about them. That's amazing. Like that makes I, me so do you collect any like live? I, yeah, like well, I was just I just finished this David Quammen book called The Reluctant Mr. Darwin, which was kind of like Oh yeah. It's so good. And yeah, everybody I've mentioned it already, so I don't have to do it again. But um he does talk a lot about because Darwin was a naturalist and um there's a lot of naturalist in you. And I like that. And one thing that he did when he was young, before he even understood cataloging or taxonomy or any of that, he was just a fancy beetle collector. Mm -hmm. He just loved the way. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. That really fancy rare beetles look so he would catch them and put them in kill jars and then just like pin them. Yeah. Do you do that? Do you collect? Um, I don't collect much, mostly because I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> there are bugs in Los no, Angeles. No, there are. You know what my favorite, my favorite bug in LA is? Like, hands down. Well, two. I love mantis. I love a mantis. I reared a, a tiny mantis named Mirabelle last year. She, um, she was she was my beloved pet. What I, did you feed her? What are mant- manti? Manti? Mantises? Mantids. Mantids. What um, are they? Oh, mantids. What do they eat? Um, she loved fly eggs. How the fuck do you procure fly eggs? You just uh, pet stores, or uh, really, or if you order, if you order a bug to to rear, they'll ship with, they'll ship you a tiny praying mantis with a little tiny thing full of fly eggs, and you keep them in the fridge. Oh, and then what I did is I made a harpoon out of a skewer, <laughs> and then I taped a, a tiny needle to it, and then I would pierce a fly egg, and it would ooze just a little bit, and then I would, I would kind of be like Mirabelle, are you hungry? And then she would, she would see the fly egg, and she'd be like, oh man. I got this. I got this. And the flag is not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not a, it's not able to move and it's speared on a harpoon. But she would stalk it and stalk it and stalk it and then she would grab it and then she'd just eat it like a calzone. <laughs> Double fisted. <laughs> and then when she got bigger, I would feed her mealworms. That's awesome. Which are darkling beetle larvae. And they're alive and squirmy. And, and squirmy, yeah. yeah. When you get them out of the refrigerator, they're sort of like, what What happened? They're like someone that just like woke up from a rave. How cool is it, though, that bugs can like be in the refrigerator and then be like, hey, guys, I'm back from the party. Hey, what's going on? What's the harpoon about? <laughs> but um, Mirabelle actually died prematurely because I, she ate a mealworm. She loved it. And then I was like, do you want another mealworm? And she's like, heck yeah. And then I came back into the room and she was like, uh. <laughs> oh, no. I overfed her meal. She died doing what she loved. She was eating worms. Well, that's good. So we had a funeral. And this is really sad is that I didn't know you yet. But last January, Mirabel passed away and I bawled my face off. No, you didn't. I walked into the room. I saw she was dead and I, I, I sank to the floor. I'm going to cry thinking about it. Because she was so my sweet. She was my little thing. She was my buddy. She'd crawl on my hand. And this is like if you saw, if you went out to your car and you saw a dead mantis on it from a road trip, you'd be like, well, shit sucks for you, mantis. But it was like, this was my mantis. Yeah. I wouldn't really think that. I would be really sad if I saw a mantis dead on my car. But, I'm just <laughs> but saying, you might not like actually cry. Yeah, no. But people just kill bugs all the time. But um, I would but, never kill a mantis, though. Oh, I know. Who yeah, would? Because they're. Majestic. So, yeah, they're majestic. And they're exactly. holy, right? A little. No. They're like little aliens. <laughs> they're little they're little alien books. They're such aliens. <laughs> but um yeah. So you I guys had, had a funeral? I had a funeral because I thought, okay, well, I and I had been traveling still for work, and so I sent out an email to about 30 friends, and I was like, You guys, Mirabel, she passed away. And if you'd like to come over, it's open casket, come in black, bereavement attire is encouraged. We're gonna listen to Bauhaus. So um, everyone showed up in, in black. There's Phil, your goth coming back. Totally. Love it. Loved it. Phil showed up in, uh, I think, in all black. Leela Higgins from the museum showed up in a, in a netted veil. That's I was so like, sweet. you get me. And then it was open casket. I made a tiny casket with lace, and she was just, Bleh. and then there were <laughs> candles lit, and it was like the best party ever. There were like 45 people there. <laughs> like people I didn't know showed up. That's so great. If you want to see, um, if anyone is curious how to throw a bug funeral, go to the hashtag on Instagram, R-I-P Rang Mantis. 
with R.A. praying mantis. Got it. Mm-hmm. Those two photographs. <gasps> That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story. <laughs> that, no, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm really regretful that I hadn't met you yet at that time. I almost want to kill like a cockroach and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? You'd kill a cockroach, wouldn't you? Here's the problem. Cockroaches don't count, do they? I'm a secret bigot when it comes to cockroaches that I am like, they're the, they're the one bug that I'm like, why can't I let you crawl on me? Yeah, because they're fucking gross and they eat shit. Well, that, yeah. But they also clean themselves compulsively. Yeah. But I would let a spider, I'd let a, like a whip scorpion, I would let all kinds yeah, of things crawl on true. me. It's true. There's a stigma with the cockroach. It's, it's like a, it's a bottom feeder. Feel really bad about it. They're stigmatized. You know what I don't love? Mm. I don't love a cricket. What? And by I don't love, I fucking hate a cricket. Um, let's talk about I it. I know it's a it's it's a <laughs> weird it's a weird thing, but crickets are my least favorite bugs. Um, what what is it about them? <sighs> There's something really crunchy and gross about them. And like when people talk about eating bugs, and then they talk about eating crickets, it like makes the bile rise up in my yeah. gut regions. Um, there's just something extra. And you know what? They will also they fly at your face, which is like not a good feature of a bug to that it'll fly at your face. I definitely remember, and they make a, a noise that's just awful. It's like a telltale heart noise, like it'll destroy your night if you're trying <laughs> to sleep. And so I remember though, in in Texas, I grew up in Plano, Texas, and there was a couple of seasons. I think I've mentioned this before because people tweeted and were like, "Dude, I remember that." There were a couple of seasons where the city had cricket infestations Ooh. that were so bad there would be. This is going to really gross you out. There'd be like mountains of dead crickets <gasps> under all the light poles and wow. it smelled like death I in the city. I would have loved it. And you would go to pump gas in your car and it would be like, you know, the gas station's all lit and there's nothing around it. And it would be like, like biblical. Oh, I love it. Like just flying at your face and oh, it was so horrible. And so I think that I have a weird thing with crickets now because of that. That makes all the sense in the world. I won't touch them. If you're like, oh, I hate crickets. Why? I don't know. But oh, I hate crickets. Well, as a child, I was infested with their dead bodies. Exactly. As a child, like there was a scourge. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was, um, I was talking to, I met uh, Will Wheaton recently. Yeah. Some friends and I don't, I had never met him before. I've only met him, I guess that one time. But we are. Will Will has promised he's going to come on the podcast. He just, Will does not podcast podcast so I'm slowly he working has on his him. own now yeah but he does not he doesn't guest okay. like he's weird he just is not a fan but he did I have documentation that he promised he'd come on so Good. one day we'll see um I was he because I didn't I don't know him well but mm. someone mentioned something about me and bugs and, and he said he hated spiders I was like why do you hate spiders why is that and he's like I don't know and um he's like I just hate them they're you know the way they're crawled and he started listing the aspects of a spider but wouldn't clarify why. Yeah. And I was like, did you have any like experiences like as a kid with a spider? And he's like, oh, I guess a tarantula crawled over my head once when I was out. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, like, there you go. I, like, I almost died from a black widow yeah. bite once, but, but other than that. That's, that's also like, I find that, um, I don't know why I had to say that that was Will Wheaton because I'm not friends with him, but I just thought, that's, I thought it was a name drop. That's well, I, I don't think he cares about me necessarily. I just thought it was funny. No, Will Wheaton like, is amazing. He's a really good guy. And I, I think that now you guys, you and Will Wheaton are probably going to be like shopping at Home Depot together. Sure. So sure. Building teepees. We follow each other on Twitter. That's as there deep as our friendship yeah. goes. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that happens at the museum a lot where if you're in an exhibit and I mean, this is, this is kind of the crux to being an interpreter in the museum mm-hmm. and being a docent is it's not just like. This is a sauropod. You know, like this is a beetle. It's um, you don't you don't tell people what you do is you ask questions about them. So instead mm-hmm. of instead of ask instead of telling someone everything about a newt, 
ask them, what do you see about this newt? Well, it's got a belly that's a different color. Why do you think the belly is that color? Um, asking a lot of open-ended questions and getting them, leading them to the answer on their own. And so interpretation is also about finding the emotional connection people have to objects. Yeah. And so it's really interesting for me, no matter who I meet, if it's someone at the museum or if it's a relative or if it's a celebrity nerd that doesn't know me well. <laughs> Um, when when someone has any kind of strong reaction to anything, an artifact or an animal is always figuring out why. And I think that that's like your your hatred of crickets is uh -huh. like so fascinating. And my my love of insects, you know, probably comes from, uh, you know, my sister. My sister had a boyfriend who was an entomologist, and so he would come over and wait for her to get ready to go on dates. She was older than me, and you know, we'd sit on the porch and see what was under the light. And so, oh, I, you that's know, I, great. Which was cool. He's a super cool guy, but um. I think you have this, it's, there's so much tied up in curiosity that has to do with nostalgia. And For I love sure. That. That's true. Or in revulsion in this case. And there's, there are certain things that like society tells you you're not supposed to like, you know what I mean? Like, and there are certain things that are kind of, they're learned things, but there are things that I guess they're just learned from such a young age and, and, uh, for good reason. Like I can understand being afraid. Well, there's not that many spiders that bite, though, are there? There's not that many spiders that are venomous. I mean, they're all venomous. Every spider's uh, venomous. But, but there's mean, not that many that will actually cause, like, illness in a human. In a human, no. Yeah. But, I mean, I think there's um, there, there's the swiftness of motion, maybe. And people, also the webs, people are freaked out by the webs. The webs are so beautiful, though. Yeah. I do love a spider web. Have you ever gotten one in your face? Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't bother me that much. I know for some people it's really gross because they're a bit sticky. Yeah. There's, like, a sticky sensation, and some people really don't like that, but... I think it's a control issue. I think a lot of times you can walk into a web and not see it, so you feel like you're uh, you're not in control of the situation, or a spider can move really quickly, and you don't, you know what I mean. So I think that this, there's perhaps something there. But when I was a kid, I think that like Charlotte's Web was the cartoon version was mm -hmm. like kind of big, and we all loved Charlotte. Charlotte like made us sad, right? I don't know. So I, I maybe that affects my emotional connection with spiders. I definitely like spiders. They're great, they're, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And they're um they're different than other bugs. They're not even they're not insects. Mm -mm. They're arachnids. arthropods. Is that right? Arachnids. They're all arthropods. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, okay. but yeah, I love that. Um, I love I love the sexual dimorphism of spiders in particular because like the wimp, the females are just like huge and they'll eat anything. And then and you look and like the males are these like tiny specks that are and it's just so interesting to see uh to see how different um the same species can be mm -hmm. in terms of you know just the sex of it and I, I just think it's interesting to study to study and learn about that and, and then try to uh project it uh falsely on my own life <laughs> <laughs> but do you do you want to like cannibalize no. a boy is that no. what you're telling me no I was so worried though I was so worried when I got the praying mantis that there would be like oh, I want to rip a guy's head off no I just think it's interesting when um we're so used to our like you know part of what what we do and also women that are study science or mm. you know a minority in chemistry classes and you know which is frustrating or I mean I had a I had a guy that I I interviewed for the science show I work on yeah, let's talk about that for oh. I'm just, we're gonna interact interject for a second oh. and talk about <laughs> we haven't even I'm like Allie's here whatever I'm sorry <laughs> we haven't even talked about like what you do no um uh. you work on a science show with Mo Rocca mm -hmm. um called Innovation Nation yep and yeah. it's on is it CBS Mm -hmm. I'm so good at this. It's CBS on yeah. Saturday morning. Uh huh. Go we me. Can, yeah, we can also thank Crystal for tweeting that out. Every <laughs> she's Crystal's, <laughs> Crystal's better at our PR than I am. I know. 
Um, yeah, I work on that. But I was, I was, you know, interviewing someone about um, about a fire retardant, and I was uh, like you do, like you do. Yeah. And um, and I at the end of the interview, at the end of the day, he said, you know, I'm uh, I'm really impressed by uh, you. Really seem to grasp the science. You asked some good questions. I didn't expect that of you at all. I thought you'd uh, come in here and just sort of poke at things and smile. And I was like, wow, that's irritating. Yeah, <laughs> um, I know. It's like part of you is like, well, thanks. And then you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Why do you expect that I'm a science reporter? Like, why would you, <laughs> like, why would you expect that I don't yeah. know how to do a science interview? Uh, but I don't know. But I think that the, what's interesting to me about biology and, you know, about sexual dimorphism and, and about um, just, I, there's so many aspects of it that I love, I love some of the narratives behind it because they're so foreign to, you know, what we're used to in our own psychology. So, I don't know. I just I love gossiping about insane shit that happens in the natural world. Like, and you know a lot of good stories. I feel like without fail, when we all hang out, <laughs> there's at least one like epic story that you tell that's oh like from nature. It's like ripped from nature, but it's the it's best. true. It's like you're gossiping about your weird friends. I love and you're it. like, no way, Sarah did that. I know. Like, I want to gossip about like turtle three ways <laughs> and like cannibalistic bitches and the spider kingdom. Kingdom, like. It, to me, I don't understand why people don't get as thrilled about that as they do about like Real Housewives because it's like, let me tell you about, yeah, this like this what this insane bird does. <laughs> you know, I, 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 to me, when you frame it in this narrative way, it just it becomes so thrilling, and I love sharing. <laughs> it's true, and you know what? It does make me like. You kind of threw that out there. I don't know why they would don't like this more than like Real Housewives, and it really does make me wonder because I don't get Real House when I try to watch it. I don't get it, but but like millions of people enjoy that kind of programming and it makes me and i can say kind of like oh it it's you psychologically i think it's a thing where like it makes you feel better about your own life to see other people fail or what but is that true is that really what the appeal is like why do people latch on to what i call humiliation television but a lot of people in the industry call conflict reality mm-hmm. I don't, why do people love that so much? I don't know, girl, you studied psychology. <laughs> <laughs> why are you asking the bug girl? No, I. Because no. there's a lot of conflict reality in the bug kingdom. No, I know that's It's the bug kingdom. That's not really a thing, but I'm going to call it the bug kingdom. But I mean, it's I the think, animal kingdom. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, no, that's really interesting. And, and I think one thing that is, because um, I've wanted to work in, like in some kind of science communication since I was young. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, either make biological illustrations or I wanted to make nature documentaries and stuff. And um, so the idea of delivering the narratives and the high stakes and the bizarre behaviors and the gorgeous colors and the undiscovered species and the threat to them and the threat to each other, that to me, there's so much beauty, there's so much intrigue, there's so, the stakes are so high, there's so many weird lessons yeah, you there's, can learn. And there's drama. It's like there's so much drama, drama in that. And um, I always loved watching so many documentaries growing up and it's, it bums me out that a lot of the, you know, that discovery is like, fake like mockumentary programs and like, I know ice without road telling people that they're mockumentaries which is really bad that to me I'm just so curious why people stopped like at what point like reality conflict television took over that's true because historically I mean if you if we had been kids in the 50s instead of in the like 80s 70s and 80s then we would have grown up with different TV TV yeah. would have been smarter and um, those nature documentaries would have been kind of like play. They would have been fun. They wouldn't have felt like, you know, real to real in school. Yeah. But now that's how we identify them. I know. And I, I think it would be so interesting, like last year for Valentine's Day, you weren't there yet, but we, I know. Was, or maybe a, I was, but I was like 
He probably had had the plans. Probably had Valentine's uh-huh. Day plans. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. I had just met Holly Bender, who you've had on the podcast. And um, that's true. I guess I met you right after that. Mm-hmm. And Phil, and and Kyle Hill. Okay. Um, we had all just kind of met, and we decided on Valentine's Day, let's get together. The four, you know, the four of us. We didn't have plans. Let's get together, have dinner. Everyone come armed with some tales of like insane, like just <laughs> insane ro- romantic and in air quotes behavior in in the natural world and we'll just over dinner talk about it so um but yeah framing it in that like in an interesting like gossipy curious way is just what I love about it's so good and that's kind of what we're going to be doing and I think that this podcast will air right after it but that's what we're going to be doing at first Fridays at the Natural History Museum um this time we're Mm going to be talking about because it's like right before Valentine's Day so like freaky deaky stuff like so exciting I love it in in animals and bugs which are animals of course and um, just kind of across the board. Yeah, you're gonna be awesome. You have so many good stories. Oh God! Can you like? Can you share a story on air? Like I don't oh. know. Like one good, weird. Thing oh, Valentine's that, like, what's story. Your, yeah, like what's one of your favorites? My favorites. I mean, oh my gosh, I do have. I my favorite has always been. <laughs> I, I it's probably the African bat bug. It's a okay. tie between red velvet mites and the and then the African bat bug. Um. Okay, we'll do. We'll talk about traumatic insemination. <laughs> Okay, good. Red velvet mites uh, are very sweet, and they build love gardens, and they try to impress each other with with like beautiful campsites. Um, and they're like tiny, like mites. And they're like, tiny. Mites, like, are they like dust mites? Um, yeah, they're yeah, sort little. of. They're tiny. Um, that's a mite red, sound. Velvety, but we're not going to talk about red velvet mites. Oh, okay. Um, right. instead, we're going to talk about African bat bugs. Okay. And African bat bugs, um, they have what they call traumatic insemination, which is like, I I realize you have a vagina. But I don't really care. I, I want to knock you up, so I'm just going to stab you in the abdomen. <laughs> and the ladies are like, fuck you, number one. <laughs> like, that's rude. <laughs> and so, and so um, in order to at least try to, uh, to protect themselves from, their, from these sharp, stabby penises, <laughs> wavered penises, they, they developed kind of an area around their abdomen that kind of looked like a fake vagina but was a little sturdier. So they're like, just at least, if you're going to do that, just do it here. And so it's so weird, which is insane, but it gets weirder. <laughs> so then the bat bugs would would be like, "Is this a guy or girl? I don't care. I'm going to stab it in his abdomen and try and get it pregnant." And it would be like, "I'm a dude, bat bug," <laughs> and that's again very rude. And so then the male bat bugs started evolving fake vaginas, so that if they were going to get traumatically inseminated by another dude, at least they would do it in an area that had more protection. But the unfortunate thing is those fake vaginas, those fake, fake vaginas <laughs> uh-huh. were, were actually better at, at sort of um, protecting them from, from being wounded. And so the bat bugs, the male bat bugs wouldn't want to, would start kind of avoiding that area. So essentially the female bat bugs started evolving to have a fake, fake, fake <laughs> vagina. <laughs> That was modeled more after the male's fake vagina, which was modeled Shut after the up. fake vagina. So did they still have, so they have the vagina. Yeah. Do they still have the first fake vagina? I think they've, they've, they've just it started, to, started go away. to look more like the male's oh fake vagina. Oh my God, that is so funny. But in some colonies, they will just, they will kill each other. They'll just like stab them in the head yeah. and just fill it with cum. Yeah. It's <laughs> just so like, gross. it's just like the, like someone who's on Viagra and PCP and has a knife for a dick. It's the <laughs> worst. I'm so sorry. I don't know what your audience is like. I hope they're not My 12. audience is loving this. Okay, right good. Now. I'm so sorry. And they probably are 12. But like, I, I don't understand how you could like, 
how you could care that like Mike Tyson got like a DUI more <laughs> than you could care about like red velvet mites making like love gardens that they then Oh, destroy. I want to hear about this. I want to hear about okay. this too. You said you weren't going to talk about it, but we have to talk about it. This is like, it's so, and they're <laughs> tiny. They're so tiny. The mites sound. They're, mites are. I mean, all <laughs> bugs are, but like there's these tiny, yeah. crazy, drama hungry robots. How, how do you not love that? It's ins- I don't understand it. Anyway, so red velvet mites. Uh-huh. So um I love the name too because it reminds me of like a sprinkles cupcake. I know. <laughs> it reminds me of a of a newlywed suite in Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is actually appropriate. So red velvet mites are so romantic. Male red velvet mite is like, I want to find a good girl. I want to settle down. I want to make a couple thousand babies. I want to do this right. And so a red velvet mite will very gentlemanly create a love garden with tiny sticks. And he'll, I think he might use his sperm to glue it all together. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's essentially like a Burning Man camp. Like nice. a super dope, like check out my tent at Burning Man. Do you not want to come in here and have intercourse with me? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so he'll work on it and they'll leave a trail of sperm out to the, out like kind of like a driveway. <laughs> and the female red velvet might will be like, oh, nice. I'll check that out. And then she'll be like, you're amazing. And then he'll drop a bubble of sperm and then she'll sit on it. And she's like, this is working out great. <laughs> But sometimes there'll be some dick, some like bully red velvet mite who'll be like, nice, nice love garden. And then he'll just destroy it <laughs> so that another female red velvet mite is like, that guy's got to bust your garden. I'm going to go have sex with this bully who has like an okay garden. That's such it's shit. Insane. It's insane. But it's insane. also like us. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I feel like, like I definitely see par- like parallels. Like yeah. the like sweet kind of dark artistic guy who's like in the corner and he's super cute and he like paints a pretty picture of you and then this other guy like punches him in the face yeah. and he's like, that guy's a fag. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you're like, and then the girl is like, oh, I like your muscles. And you're like, what is happening right now? And she's like, I guess I'll sit on your sperm bubble. <laughs> exactly. And then the other beta guy's like, damn it. I know. And then he's like, I, but I'm not. I and know. I love you. And then you should have been with him all along because he's like really artistic. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And your kids would have skills. I know, but then you know what? You're going to have, your babies are going to be bigger dicks and they're going to be able to bully the other ones. Oh, no. you know what and I then mean? it just keeps going. Keeps going and going. Instead of having pretty pictures. Exactly. That's but I told bad. this story to my dear friend, uh, Matt Inman, the oatmeal, and mm-hmm. um, I told it to him. <laughs> he, was, he was very dazzled by it. And, um, and for a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, what's the next comic you're working on? He's like, oh, I'm working on something about a cat. And I was like, oh, what is it? So I'm this cat thing. And finally he put it out and he published it and it was, he had lied to me. He was working on the Red Velvet Mite story for a while. So he really loved that That's so story great. a lot. But, um, I bet you a lot of people listening have actually seen that comic. It's possible. That's amazing. Yeah. He actually gave a shout out to the Natural History Museum in, a, in my honor for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah. But, um, but there's so much drama in nature. I just, and I think that's why dinosaurs don't interest me 
as much because they're like dusty and dead. We just don't know about their behavior and it's the behavior that's really interesting. And I get that. Um, And I think for some people it's exciting because they like to try and imagine it. I think for me, the reason that I love dinosaurs so much is that, you know, when kids are growing up, a lot of times they have these like wild imaginations and they... They love fantasy and, and you know, they're into dragons and things like that. And I just never, I was always a little too materialistic, a little too. And so like dinosaurs are amazing to me. They're like my dragons because ah. I just can't wrap my head around dragons. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't get it. It's like Game of Thrones. Like I can't. No, that makes sense. I don't sense. like fantasy. That makes and dinosaurs sense. are real, which is yeah. amazing. Insane. Like I mean, it's, it's insane. insane that those things used to like live where we live. Yeah, I know. Cool. It's, that's nuts. I mean, that's nuts. It's I'm, pretty nuts. I'm a little, I'm a little micro. I like Whereas it though. That's, I think that's which cool. is fine. And you know what? Uh, bugs make good art. They do. They do. They're pretty in your house. I have a. I have some bug art right now. I can see it, not from where you're sitting, but I can. Yeah. These leaf bugs that are really fun and pretty. Have you been to my house? I haven't been to your house. Oh yet. yeah, you'd see my whole bug collection. I have a whole wall. I'm so excited. No, I'd love it. I mean, it's it makes me sad sometimes, but because they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, a lot of um, collectors. Well, a lot of the stuff I sold them. Okay, I'm not gonna. That's not gonna no, make you I feel know. better. I know. <laughs> But yeah, I do. I do. I just am never not dazzled by them. They're beautiful. Can I ask you before before I ask you the final stuff because I uh, I gotta let you go because you got you know you got shit to do. You're popular. Oh, you're it's popular. Saturday night. It's Saturday, Saturday night. night. I'm wearing a shirt that has curry on it. Like I'm ready to <laughs> and take. And smells like hash browns. <laughs> I'm ready to take this town by storm. <laughs> this makes me so happy. Um, but I want to know because uh, how did you meet the rest of the Nerd Brigade? You were friends with Phil. This is all just personal and nobody oh. listening to the podcast. <laughs> but you were friends with Phil first. Yeah. What happened was um, I I found, I think I was looking on Instagram at like bugs or something and found Phil's Instagram and he has these awesome photos. And I was like, this is hey, this He's is an amazing great. photographer. And um, yeah, great. Phil and, Torres, by the way, he was on the podcast. He sang a song about a frog crossing the road in the Amazon. Yeah, it was good. He once told me a story about how he had to use a, his acoustic guitar to uh, get a porcupine out of his hut in the Amazon. I was like, can <laughs> oh you just God. stop it? He's, He's so like ridiculous. Indiana Jones meets The Bachelor. And his Instagram best. is so funny because there's all these pictures of him like in the jungle shirtless. I know. And he'll be like, look at that beautiful waterfall. And everybody's like, what waterfall? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he's the, he's the best. But um, so we became Instagram friends. And then I have another friend, Leela Higgins, who works at... Uh, in the live animal program. She's an mm. entomologist at Natural History Museum who was a friend of a friend. I had never met either of them, but we were all Instagram friends. Uh-huh. So we would tag each other in photos, look at this stuff. So Leela brought me in for uh, a tour of the insectary, which is like Willy Wonka, the best place on earth <laughs> in the core of the Natural History Museum. Invited Phil. So the three of us met that day. Uh, Leela suggested I become a volunteer and, and I signed up. And so... She's good. She's good. Yeah. And so, you know, so we were all kind of online friends for about six months. And then Mirabelle, rest in peace, mm-hmm. kicked the bucket. Oh, and she brought everybody together. Yeah. And I invited Leela and Phil. And then the next day was First Fridays. And so Phil's like, I'm going to go. You should come with me. Or we should meet up there. And I was like, of course, Leela would be there too. So we went. And then he knew Jason mm-hmm. from the internet, mm-hmm. who knew Holly. He hadn't met Jason? No, they had never met IRL ever. That's OMG. so weird. So Jason... uh Jason Goldman and I met at, at, where did we meet? We met at Science Online like years ago when we were, we were there as science communicators and we became very close. And I also independently met Crystal Dilworth at another conference called Brainstem in Canada where we were there as uh, science communicators. And I became very close to Crystal and I became very close to Jason. And then through that web is how I met everybody else. Phil through the TV show we work on, um, Holly through... 
Crystal, and just all those Caltech mm-hmm. folks. Um, pretty weird. Pretty weird story. But not that interesting to anybody listening. So the other thing I wanted to ask you before my final two questions, I'm just going to drag this out. We didn't talk at all about the fact, I mean, you mentioned, you made reference to the fact that you do cooking shows. Yeah. This is like fascinating about you. I love this about you because you have a lot of TV experience. You've been an actress previously. You are, uh, you do work on this great science show that's, would you say it's for like tweens? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's not for 16. young kids. It's definitely for older kids who are thinking. Yeah. Um, but it's still a Saturday morning mm-hmm. TV show. So yeah. Tween. 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 They. I feel like there's a demographic name that they use in like TV. That's yeah. I don't know. Whatever. The, it's they're called tween. either ors. I don't exactly. know. <laughs> for the either ors. Um. But you also, like, when everybody met you in kind of the nerd brigade, you were full time podcasting and like like you're a cooking show person. Yeah. What is that called? Um, I guess, uh, uh, are you a host? Host, yeah. A cooker? Uh, yeah. Your chef? Yeah. Well, okay. it started, I started in TV when I was still in college mm-hmm. and I got a part on a show that was terrible and very embarrassing. Uh, are you gonna, are you gonna, are you gonna say it out loud? Cheech Marin was in it. And at one point I had to get tased and I did a very <laughs> bad job acting. <laughs> but, um, so, but I liked um, I liked the rates that you got when you were in SAG as opposed to working minimum wage at Circuit City. Hell yeah. So um, so I did that for a while, came down to LA and was doing that. And then I, I what I loved about acting at least was uh, was how much I got to learn. Mm-hmm. So if I if there was some stupid, terrible script that was set in Appalachia, I would then read 17 books about Appalachia and do very, very poorly in the audition, <laughs> but I would really love learning about Appalachia. And so I got mugged at Knife Point. Holy um, shit, Alex. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Good transition. Oh, sorry. Very clunky. I'm not segue. laughing. I'm not laughing that you got oh, mugged you at night. Holy fuck. Okay. So you were acting and then you got mugged at night. Yeah, it was broad daylight. I got mugged Jesus. by two guys with kitchen knives. In LA. In LA. Yeah. Wow. And, um, but not like butter knives, like real, legit like kitchen. Real knives. sharp, yeah. serrated ones. Yeah. And I, I escaped. I took my purse and I threw it like a football. And then oh my I memorized their plate and ran to a, a payphone and called police. And we ended up going to court. And oh. I was unharmed physically, but I was definitely emotionally. And psychologically, very, very traumatized from it. I had never. I I still trust people too much. Yeah. But I I just uh, that breach and like that violence sure. for no reason toward you. Sure. Like, what the fuck? And so you know, I I get sent out for acting parts where it's like, cool, it's Tuesday morning, eleven o'clock. You're gonna get raped on a cruise ship. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, wow. I'm not gonna do that for scale pay. Like, Jeez. so I I stopped acting because I just I realized like what I wanted as a woman to put out in the in the world was not as not a, you know, at that point I was brunette, brunette victim who has to go into the police station, and it, and I just didn't, I didn't want to do that. I didn't. And that's true. That's like that. every part. Yeah, I didn't want to do. Oof. I didn't. And so I started. That's when I started going into journalism and broadcast. And I, I realized I loved learning. I loved being on set. I loved being. Uh, I loved taking information and making it digestible, either in newsprint or in broadcast. And my goal was always to have a science show. Always, always, always from, from early on. And um. The TV show, the cooking show was a fluke because I was applying for jobs at Discovery and looking mm-hmm. for um, like science show hosting gigs. And, and I saw a posting that was looking for two people to host a travel and a food show. And my friend Georgia and I had filmed this thing but never put it online. It was a, a farcical, like a comedy video about a fake drink. And my friend Peter Atencio, who went on to direct like Key and Peele, and he's an amazing Comedy Central director. At the time, he was just our buddy. And we're like, can we give you a pizza? Will you make this? So we put it online, that video went viral, and then Food Network did see it, and we got offered a show and a contract. And so, what was the uh, the drink that oh you God. made on? <laughs> I, 
I'm so worried that if I die tragically and young <laughs> and like prematurely that this is going to make its way into a funeral montage. I just want to put it out there. Please don't put the McNuggetini in my funeral montage <laughs> if I die early. Did you drink it? I never I mean, saw the video. We had never, we'd never drank it until we were on camera. I mean, it was a farce. It was <gasps> like this. But you did drink it on camera? It's disgusting. I mean, of it's. Of course it's disgusting. It's a milkshake spiked with vodka rimmed in barbecue sauce and garnished with a chicken nugget. <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a farcical joke about craft cocktails, but Food Network tapped us to make a bunch of, they're like, this is silly and you guys have great chemistry. So, yeah. so I got, I was like, just sort of like getting, wanting to get into doing something creative with, with science or with nature. And then it was like, quick, sharp turn. Can you become this? So I, you know, I learned a lot about mixology and about yeah. presenting and, and I've been doing in that as well for a couple of years, but then I got offered this science show and I've been doing both for the last few months and That's I have awesome. not been sleeping much. And yeah, exactly. You work too, like you work a lot. You're never, we always want to hang out and then it's like, oh, she's out of town. And yeah, that's, right. I mean, that's part of the the work that we both do. I'm about to leave actually on Monday and I'll be gone most of February for a new gig that I got, which is, but it's great. It's like when that happens, you get really excited. Um, and it's great to see because the, the CBS show that you do innovation nation is like almost all travel based, isn't it? Yeah. It's all travel. Yeah. That's great though. I love it. I don't know. I love it. It's, I I love it until I don't anymore. You know? Yeah. I love, I love it a lot. I, there are parts of it that, you know, I'm I'm a little, a little bit older than you. So there are parts of it that like, I just have dreams about uh, having a house yeah. and like a dog. Like and, yeah, you know what I mean. So, uh, but I'm about to I'm about to wrap the season. So you I'll can have, have a dog. You can have a dog. You just see, have killer. That's what I was gonna say. Like <laughs> I have killer, and killer's great. You you can have a dog because we have a Tegan. That's true. And Tegan loves killer. And Tegan uh, will watch Killer for me, and she's very good at it. This is and it makes altering. me very happy. <laughs> the RB getting a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so but it's been but yeah, it's it's I have I have a very I'm very lucky to do what I do. And I love that because it's such like you were saying the paths are really divergent, but in a lot of ways they come back together because the truth is when it comes to television, whether we're talking about science TV or um or cooking TV, the the number one rule is that it has to be really entertaining. And you, I think of all of my friends, are literally the most entertaining person oh, I know. You make me so happy. You were saying earlier that you're kind of self-deprecating with the nerd brigade. And I, I, I love it when people can do self-deprecating charm really well. well and you, you own that shit. Oh, like Lord. you're just so fun. <laughs> and it's, I don't even like, I hate to dissect comedy because when you start dissecting comedy, it's like not funny anymore. But you definitely have this way about you when we're all in the room where I can't, I just laugh. Like, and sometimes oh, no. it's just like shit that you're saying that it's just because of the way that you say things. I don't think you're doing it for the for the laugh like yeah. you're not doing it for me probably not <laughs> but you just have a really funny like way that you word things sometimes that oh, um you. that kills me thank you it's it, uh it's, it's the best it's funny for me to come to come in into part of the nerd brigade whenever we're together I'm always like I always feel like this weird interloper that's like which is so what are you guys doing <laughs> I don't I've never even even though course, I know I've never I'm seen not. you that way yeah and you're not that way but you're like you're like our super funny friend <laughs> like it's the best because everybody in the nerd brigade is smart and everybody has skills and everybody's warm and everybody's friendly and amazing but like there are different roles in the nerd brigade you know what I mean like like Phil is like the one who looks like he's chiseled out of marble. <laughs> Christina too, by the way. Oh. Phil and Christina are incredibly attractive humans. Yeah, it's, it's um, unsettling, really. Actually, everybody in the nerd brigade is, is like weirdly like yeah. really attractive. We're so amazing. But they're like not human. Like no, they're, they're ridiculous. Um, you 
fucking kill me every time we hang out. I've never hung out with you and not like like Aww. felt like I peed a little. Why, thank so. you. I just I really just want to make people urinate. And exactly. I think that that's Good what I'm here for. You did seat me in front of this foam microphone that looks like a big red clown nose. Uh-huh. It's a foam cover on the microphone. And I'm like, is that supposed to go on my face? But um but yeah, I don't know. I'm I do have to say I do want to take some credit for it being called the Nerd Brigade on accident. But yes. it, in that email about Valentine's last year where I was trying to rally some people to come and hang out and talk about, uh, you know, insect rape, I was like, uh, do you, can I get a brigade of nerds together? Oh, and then it amazing. became the Nerd Brigade. I love that. And you also gave everybody in the Nerd Brigade <laughs> epic nicknames. Yeah, but you know what mine is? Ham jams. It's the worst. It's so good. <laughs> I didn't even give myself a good one. Is that, but why ham? Did you also make a ham drink? I blended ham and I drank it, <laughs> I'm so glad you don't know that about me. I mean, a ham daiquiri. I mean, I know about the chicken nugget martini. Is that a martini? But the ham is a daiquiri. Yeah. It was, it was, I think it was so gross. It was either Valley. ham jams. I know it is. I'm, I know it jammers? is. It was going to be either ham jams or pork vortex. And I'm glad that <laughs> I stuck course. with ham jams. I love ham jams. You gave me a couple options and I don't remember all of them now, but we went with MC Knowledge Drop mm-hmm. mostly because it makes me feel awesome. You are MC Knowledge <laughs> like Drop. It makes me feel so awesome. You're rocking There's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. Okay, it's it's almost time to go. I end every podcast with the same two questions, and they're kind of a bummer, and I'm like Yay. laughing right now, so I'm super. No, I love. I'm it. like mad at myself for asking you these two questions, but <laughs> we'll start it with the real bummer one, which is mm-hmm. when you look to the future. Yeah. What makes you most nervous? What makes uh, overpopulation? Okay. I'm I I grapple with that. I've grappled with that since I was in high school about whether or not I personally feel like I should reproduce, yeah. and whether or not I have a right to um, put more people on the planet. And now I'm like in my, you know, later 30s, mm-hmm. latish 30. And, and I, I worry about that all the time. I was on like a second date the other night and like my fertility was in question. <laughs> and I was like, check, please. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this guy was asking me like whether or not I wanted to have kids, if I thought I could, why I had How old yet. was he? Like early 30s. Really? That's weird. Because I was going to say, it gets to the point, I feel like in LA when, when dating, especially guys in their 40s, Late 30s to mid 40s, it's a different vibe. 30s, they're usually just want to hit it and quit it. That's weird to me. Like early uh. 30s, but a lot of times older guys, that's when they start like, yeah, I want a family. And you're no. like, uh, what? I just met you. And I, I, <laughs> I exactly that. <laughs> I mean, but you know what? I'm glad I'm not a bat. I'm glad I'm not a bat bug. Let's just say that. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have like a, I'm not wearing some medallion that's just like a big bronze vagina on my neck. <laughs> Just get it here. <laughs> Just get it over Just with here. so I can go home. The guy next to me is wearing a better bronze <laughs> vagina. Like, God damn it. I gotta get one of those. This whole podcast is I'm just so like sorry. me laughing. It's so just sorry. like a track of me laughing. Oh, but, well, what are, um, okay. So, what are you? What are you most hopeful about? What? Because, oh. like, unless do you want to get into the over? No, no, no. I just I worry. I worry about that. I just worry that we're just on a. On, I mean, I I remember studying like population growth curves and like deer yeah, it's and scary. and you get you get to the the part of the curve is so steep. The only thing that can happen is the drop off. And I'm like, y'all, we're right there. Yeah, we're about to go extinct. Yeah, but still, my Facebook feed is like, we're pregnant, we're having twins. You know, and it's just like, and in my age, people are asking me that, and that's one thing that I just I grapple with on a personal level sure. and also on like a a global survival level. I I get that. Like, I don't think that I want. Just in case if you guys were wondering, <laughs> I, I don't think I, well, I know I don't want to physically like make children because the idea of that feels like traumatic, like that's a traumatic experience I to me. I think it is. Yeah. I don't want that at all. Um, and so I think that like, but I also for that very same reason, like I'm not going to tell other people what to do. Although I think you mm-hmm. should either do replacement or, or reduction. Like don't, don't make three babies if there's two of you. 
that's what contributes to population growth. Well, like, I mean, you know, and generations are living longer, so it's exactly it's that too. But it's like I it's like replace yourself or make less is my advice. Mm -hmm. I think I will be one of those people who makes none, and maybe I'll want to adopt some kids. There's a lot of kids who don't have mommies and daddies. I know that's you know? what I'm saying. Is I think I'm just going to launch a site called eBaby, and you just can <laughs> go on and order one because it's like I had this in my garage. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> want it anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'll take it off your hands. That's I'm, true. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's one thing that I, uh, that twists my guts like every day. Um, one thing I'm hopeful about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm, I'm going to get a dog. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, one thing I'm hopeful about. Can your I, dog play with Killer? By the yes. Because Killer needs a friend. They're going to be BFFs. Okay, good. Sorry. For the max. Um, Sorry to interrupt. One thing I'm most hopeful for, and I feel like I thought about this on the way over because I know these questions were coming. Um, <laughs> I think... I'm 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 hopeful for the way we catalog species and the way that we share that information. I mean, you think back, oh my gosh, you think back 20, 30 years ago, like not having a, a database of mm. what animals are out there and and uh, how many are there yeah. and and all how just specimens and museums that were scattered across the globe. Yeah. So at least with technology, I hope um, I hope it will allow scientists to better share and catalog and, and monitor and, and give more importance to. I mean, I guess that's a naturalist in me, but. Um, yeah, and, and in doing that, hopefully then the public realizes like how fucking much amazing biodiversity there is and they don't keep taking big dumps on it. I, I hope so. I hope people <laughs> stop dumping on my beetles. <laughs> but um, which, by the way, one thing that really inspired me to love uh, insects so much too is that, have you ever heard that quote, um, a, the a theologian mm. was asked if they could infer anything about the existence of God through their, um, a theologian asked a biologist if they mm -hmm. could infer anything about the existence of God through their actual studies. He said, the only thing I know is that if God exists, he has an inordinate fondness for beetles. Because there is, there are more beetles on the planet. Like there's something like four thousand mammal species, but like four hundred thousand beetle species. There's more beetles. That's it amazing. The amount of beetles we have on the planet doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. And and they're like all over the place. Like they're amazing. Sure. There's like giant beetles that are like the size of your hand with like mm -hmm. rhinoceros horn looking things. And then there's beautiful little glittery pearlescent amazing they're beetles. Wonderful. But and I just love the idea of the of some dusty guy in a robe and like a and a beard are like dumb idea of like what a god is and he just cannot stop making beetles he just has an <laughs> like, inordinate that one's kind of pink and they're like you only got 17 raccoons and you're like don't worry about it don't worry about it and he's just compulsively making new beetles like i love the idea that like if we have a god like anything about genocide human nature whether he, no. he can't pay attention to it because he's just he's too just into the like, beetles right now he's got like a holy boner for beetles <laughs> He's like, this one, <laughs> this one pushes little balls of poop around. Can't stop making it's amazing. them. amazing. I mean, I don't know. And yeah. That so, makes me so happy. No, I, I love it. I, I, to me, it's, it's really, and I feel the same way about cars. Cars, I feel like are genus and species and they evolve. And <laughs> I feel the same way about like beetles and bugs as I do about like cars. It's so interesting <laughs> to me. Well, there's a car called a beetle. There you go. What? There you go. That just happened. Anyway. You guys, yeah. Allie is so funny I'm and sorry. you have to... You have to download her podcast, her and Georgia's podcast, mm -hmm. Allie and Georgia's Slumber Party. Mm -hmm. You also have to watch Unique Sweets on the cooking channel. And you have to watch Innovation Nation on CBS on Saturday mornings. Aww. And that's what they have to watch that's and listen to, right? That's what they have to do. And they have to tweet uh, photos at me of bugs. Oh, I'll yeah. And also them. baby animals because she's really into Aww. that. 
Oh, if you're having a bad day, I'm going to text you a picture of a baby animal. Yeah. It's it's kind of my favorite thing. Like she always cheers me up with that. So so where can people So those are the three shows mm-hmm. that people can watch because you're so fucking busy or a busy lady. Where else can people Where can they tweet to you? Where can they find you? Where can they read more about what you do? Oh, um I'm at Allie Ward across all platforms. It's A L I E W A R D, just one L. Uh, I'm on Instagram a lot posting pictures sometimes of teepees, sometimes of caterpillars. <laughs> Uh, sometimes in a stupid cocktail dress, making a dumb drink, and uh, or at the <laughs> museum. So um, yeah, you can find me. And and if you ever have a bug that you're like, what is this? Like, tweet it at me. Oh I yeah, will, she'll oh. identify faster than like Phil the <laughs> entomologist. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I'm pretty obsessed. Yeah, we have a lot of text threads of like, Allie, what is this bug? I'm I very, found it on my shoe. <laughs> I'm very godlike in that way. <laughs> oh, Beatles, please. All right. Well, I've got to say thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. Oh, I loved it. Yay. And everybody else, thanks for dropping in. I'm really looking forward to the next time we get together to talk nerdy. <laughs>